Now's your chance to get caught up on all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. It's This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Driven by your Northern Ohio Honda dealers, it's time for the Summer Spectacular Sales Event at your local Northern Ohio Honda dealer or visit them online at northernohiohondadealers.com. Now, here's Gene Destro. This week, the internet, social media, and gaming in the crosshairs as the country comes to grips with two more horrendous mass shootings, one of them close to home here in Ohio. Two mass shootings in one weekend shocked the nation last week. One in El Paso, Texas left 20 people dead and several others injured. The other was in Dayton, Ohio, which is a little over 200 miles southwest of Akron. Nine people died, more than two dozen were wounded, and the shooter was killed by police within seconds of the attack. President Trump spoke in the aftermath of the shootings, in part addressing what he perceives to be technology's role and pointing the way for what could be future law enforcement and legislative action. We must recognize that the Internet has provided a dangerous avenue to radicalize, disturb minds, and perform demented acts. We must shine light on the dark recesses of the Internet and stop mass murders before they start. With that in mind, we turn to the issue of hate speech on the Internet. CBS technology consultant Larry Maggot. So the government has to follow the First Amendment, and the Supreme Court has ruled that not everything goes. There are some limits to the First Amendment, but not many. So certainly you cannot advocate violence towards a particular person or group. Uh, Obviously, child pornography is still illegal and will remain so, but by and large, there are very few things that you cannot legally say in America. However, private companies are not bound by the First Amendment. They are free to set their own rules. So, for example, Facebook doesn't allow nudity, even though it is not illegal to publish nude images. Facebook also doesn't allow hate speech, white nationalism, white supremacy, and things of that nature. So that's a policy that they made. Now, of course, they have to enforce that, and things will slip through. But other companies, like, for example, the organization that ran uh, HN, are free to set their own rules. In the case of HN, they had essentially no rules. They would allow virtually anything, uh, and that's one of the reasons why people were using it to both advocate and celebrate uh, both hatred and violence. And so its uh, provider, its service provider, took it down, which is their right to do. Uh, but that doesn't mean that HN won't be able to find another service provider. There are plenty out there that will probably allow them to go back online. And even if they didn't, there are alternatives to HN. So when it comes to the Internet, at some point, information will get through. And I guess that really is a way you can differentiate what's going on with the Internet in the United States and say, for example, the Internet in China. I mean, they're very effective at actually one, monitoring, and two, blocking certain content, aren't they? Well, China does have its problems when it comes to speech getting into their country, but they're a totalitarian country, and they have decided that they will regulate what people can publish online. One of the ways they do that is what we call the Great Firewall of China, which is they actually block selected traffic from overseas. So a lot of traffic can get through, but they, for example, block all of Facebook and certain parts of Google. And that's something that the country has decided to do. 
Uh, hopefully that will never be tolerated in the United States. Next, we talk to cybersecurity expert Professor John Nicholas from the University of Akron about the challenge of tracking and at least attempting to block hate speech online. You can use this very same software that tracks everything you do for marketing purposes to look for certain keywords and hate speech and then go have those providers shut that down. But then the government has to, to get involved and go into a private company and say, shut this down, or that private company would have to decide to shut the site down itself, and, and you can get into some dicey legal area there, I think. I had heard that from a technological standpoint, it was a little bit kind of like whack-a-mole, that they would shut down one site and then they'd just go on to a different one. Is there any way to stop that from happening? No. Again, you can, can monitor um, what people say, and you can look for keywords, and you can find out who's saying it. But as soon as as soon as you shut down one site, they're going to find some other avenue to do it, and they're going to they're going to start up again. It's been no different when they were trying to radicalize folks in the Middle East and lure people over there 15 or 20 years ago. It was the same kind of idea that as soon as you shut one down, they're going to find another server. They're going to find another way to get up there. So, from a cybersecurity standpoint, what kind of challenge or risk does this pose? It poses a, a couple of things. The first thing is the social engineering piece of it, which is what we've been seeing is that uh, if enough people seem to be liking a certain type of thought, it looks like more and more people think this way. And so if you're even slightly inclined to think along the, the lines of what the hate speech is proposing, you might go, wow, I'm not the only one. I, I go this way. So from that point of view, it's dangerous. The other side of it is these sites are often not secure site or they're being used even by another nation state or, or a terrorist group and they're going to put some sort of virus in there and everything else hoping that they can lure certain people who are going to click on everything that's on that page to see what's going on to reinforce their own bias. Uh, and once you do that, and that virus gets into the computer system, it's a risk for the whole system, no matter where you work or even at your house. President Trump also talked about the need to change what he called a culture of violence. This includes the gruesome and grisly video games that are now commonplace. It is too easy today for troubled youth to surround themselves with a culture that celebrates violence. We must stop or substantially reduce this, and it has to begin immediately. But while the president very clearly linked violent video games with mass murder, that's not what the research shows. CBS News technology correspondent Larry Maggot. I think parents have a perfect right and maybe responsibility to monitor and maybe prevent their children from playing these games for a lot of reasons, but there is no evidence that playing a game is going to make you into a mass murderer any more than going to a movie which has violence is going to make you into a murderer. There is simply not a connection. Uh, Yes, if you watch a violent act on a movie or act on a video game, you may be aggressive and it's going to get get you excited in, in certain ways, but that does not translate, based on the research, to any acts of violence. So knowing that that's the case then, did it cause you some concern when the president seemed to actually draw a link between the two and say that the government was going to look into this and do something about it? It, it caused me great concern that the president said that for two reasons. One is because it creates a false link where there isn't one, and it kind of demonizes an industry. I mean, again, I think there's reasons for parents to um, control their kids' use of violent games, but more importantly, it was an excuse, and it, it avoided getting to the real issues. I mean, there are, are things that the government can do to cut down on violence by limiting uh, who has guns. And as long as you're blaming video games, you're not getting to the real issue. 
We also talked to Professor John Nicholas about how tech companies like Facebook are using a combination of human and artificial intelligence to discover and block dark and dangerous content online. What artificial intelligence is going to be able to do very quickly that we can't do is is aggregate the data and categorize it. Um, you know, so if you're looking for certain keywords, it could say, okay, all of these websites that I went to have all of these keywords and they have so many followers and all of that. But then it would be up to somebody who is human to go and see, is it is it that they, even though they had these keywords, is it somebody st- uh, speaking out against hate speech and saying, hey, don't go to these other websites or, or don't fall for these things? And if that's the case, uh, only a human can really, really decipher that difference. So, so AI will, will, will aggregate the data very quickly and categorize it, but humans are going to have to go in for that qualitative part and really make the decision whether or not that site is dangerous. I have read that Facebook employs teams of hundreds of people that then have to go through all this objectionable, sometimes extremely violent content, and that it is actually causing them a great deal of emotional stress. Is this something that you ever address with your students? Is this something that they need to be made aware of, that this is a task that they might have to do in the future? Uh, yeah, we're very fortunate um, in our program with the Digital Forensics. We have uh, Professor Stan Smith, who spent um, uh, years and years at the Akron Police Department uh, developing their Digital Forensics program. So he, he has some real-world experience, and he's seen a lot of things out there. Um, and so I know in his classes, he really emphasizes the fact that once you get in here, once you confiscate a hard drive or you go to one of these websites, you might see some things that is very shocking to you. Um, but I think the next step to that is going to be um, that the companies like Facebook are probably going to have to provide some sort of uh, mental health care or maybe even an, an on-site counselor or, or psychologist because some of the stuff you will see will be incredibly shocking. And that's not the kind of thing that companies normally do. But no, and, and as we move on into the, to the 21st century and all this unfolds, um, we really only have to think about the workplace and, and the mental health of people and, and what people are watching because things are accessible to us now that, that we couldn't even have dreamed of seeing 30 or 40 years ago. And that's it for now. See you next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Driven by your Northern Ohio Honda dealers, it's time for the Summer Spectacular Sales Event at your local Northern Ohio Honda dealer or visit them online at northernohiohondadealers.com. Tune in next week for more tech news and listen online at wakr.net.